This morning we're going to talk about the problem of pride. Each of us, I, I really believe each of us struggle with this problem in our own way. Some of us, it's a little more obvious to struggle uh, than others. Uh, some of us don't believe we struggle with it at all, and that's probably the most subtle form of pride that there is. So for those of you who struggle with pride, you may not be proud at all. And those of you who don't struggle with it and don't think you have a problem are probably the most prideful. Now try to follow that, huh? So that should be kind of fun. The Bible warns us that uh, we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we should think because it will affect sound judgment. One of, my, one of my favorite stories, and this probably will illustrate what I'm trying to get across, is the story of the, uh, the guy who was, uh, you know, he was a rather proud person. He was a very confident person. See, sometimes we interchange those words, confident, proud. You know, I'm just confident I'm not proud. I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm confident I'm not arrogant. <laughs> I'm confident. And uh, he was kind of a confident, arrogant, prideful kind of guy. And uh, so anyway, he liked to get up for, to, to run in the mornings, and he and his wife had gone camping, and they were up in the mountains, and they were sleeping in a tent. And uh, it wasn't uncommon for him to get up in the morning and go out and run. Well, anyway, this particular morning, uh, his wife woke up, looked over, and he was gone, and she figured he was out for a run, and so didn't think much of it until she heard this commotion outside the tent. And as uh, she looked out the, the, uh, the flap of the door there of the tent, uh, she saw that uh, he was outside running, and he was running for his life around a picnic table, and right behind him was a big black bear chasing him as fast as can be. And uh, just when this bear was ready to jump on his back, she yelled over to him, Honey, look out! And this confident, arrogant, prideful kind of guy turned, looked, said, Don't worry, honey, I'm one lap up on him. So, you know... <laughs> you know, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, because it may affect sound judgment. But, uh, you know, how, how many of us, how many of you know of someone who uh, seems to be on the prideful side? Anybody, anybody know people on the prideful side? Okay, let me ask you a question. What are some of the characteristics? If that person sitting next to you, try to disguise this answer as well as you can. Steve. Okay, yeah, a proud person. I mean, how many think a proud person doesn't listen? They don't listen. They don't, they don't need to listen. What would they hear that they don't already know? Right? And if what they hear they don't know, they know that what you know isn't what they know, and what you know is not right, and what they know is. There. All right? How about that? A, pride, a proud person, prideful person doesn't listen. What other characteristics do you know? They have lots of money. Those obnoxious people with money, you know? Hey, some of, the, some of the humblest people I know have lots of money. You believe that? Absolutely. Maybe. And maybe not. What? Huh? How'd you do that? <laughs> that was incredible. Threw that voice right to the back like that. That was really, your mouth moved, he came. Always right. Yeah, a proud person's always right. And if you don't think so, just ask them and they'll remind you. Is that what you said? Did you say that? What did you say? Oh, same thing. Okay, yeah, a proud person knows everything. They don't listen to anybody. They're always right. What else? Okay, they're not submissive. Interesting point. A proud person's not submissive. Why would they be? Right? Interesting. We'll talk about that. Uh, now, let me, now, Tara brought up a good point, and that is, how, how, do, how do we kind of rationalize or, or, or somehow or another correlate these two thoughts? On one hand, God says, don't be proud, on the other hand, we 
continually remind ourselves of why we should be proud. We tell our kids, don't you take pride in your work? Don't you take pride in what your room looks like? Well, obviously not. You know, that's why you're having that conversation, right? And, you know, the obvious answer is, what is this? No, is this a trick question? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it's these. <laughs> you know, it's like, answer me. Don't you talk back to me. What is this? You know, <laughs> man alive, you know. That's why we're all in therapy when we get older. But um, <laughs> what are you looking at? Don't look at me like that. Look at me when I talk to you. What do you want? <laughs> Where were we? Okay, um, oh, anyway, the, the point is, you've got, how, how do you kind of, you know, rationalize these two things? Take pride in what you do, but don't be proud. You know, I'm a coach, and, and, and all throughout, every time I've ever played any sport, I've always heard a coach say this. Don't you take pride in what you do? Don't you take pride in who we are? Come on, have some pride in yourself. You know, have some pride in, in, the, in what you do. You know, if, you, if you're musically inclined, have some pride in what you do. Now, see, how do you, you know, and if somebody comes and you say, Tara, that was a great job, you know, is it, is it false humility to say, oh, no, it wasn't? Say, stinking right, it was good. <laughs> that was good stuff. Isn't that awesome? That's so neat to be able to sing like that. You know, and, 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 you know, and it's like if somebody comes and you say, man, that was a great message. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was good. Oh, and so what should I say? Oh, no, it wasn't, wasn't. Well, if it's not, then what are you doing here? You know, think about it. No, I insulted your intelligence and wasted 45 minutes of your life. You know, I would hope that it would be good. I would hope that whatever we do, we would be as good as we can be at what God's given us to be. If you're going to sing, then sing to the glory of God. If you're going to speak, then speak. Then put the time and the effort, then practice. And really, that's the thought. But how do you, how do you justify these two things? How do we say, well, I'm not proud, but I am, but, but I'm, I'm not proud, but I'm, what? I'm good. I don't know, you know, what do you say? Well, you know, God looked at what he created and said, this is good stuff. And then he saw us, and he said, that's very good, which is really amazing when you think about it. He must not have saw us on a Sunday morning. It must have been like, you know, middle of the week, midday, huh? Um, so how do, you, you know, how do you put all that together? And that's really what we're going to talk about. You know, what is pride? Uh, where does it come from? How do we identify it? How do I recognize whether I'm really a proud person, even though I, I think that I'm humble? How do I recognize that I'm really not a proud person, though other people think that I am? Uh, some people would look at, and people would think I'm arrogant, or I'm confident, or I'm cocky, or whatever. And, and they would confuse that for being prideful. Uh, is that true, or is it not? You know, we all struggle with that. Uh, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we deal with all this? That's what we're going to talk about, this whole problem of pride. And basically, uh, we can look at seven statements that are mentioned throughout Scripture, and I think that they'll help us. The first, the first statement is very simple, and that is that we need to understand where pride comes from. Pride originated, the Bible tells us, uh, in Satan himself. So the problem of, it was a problem that led to Satan's condemnation. In 1 Timothy, we see in chapter 3 that... There's some requirements that are laid out for church leadership. And in this particular statement or these requirements, we find an interesting warning concerning the whole problem of pride. The Bible teaches that the devil is a source of pride and that he's infected the whole human race. All of us, to some degree or another, have to struggle and deal with the problem of pride. 
whether we recognize it or not. And the purpose of the Bible is to help us to identify that which we cannot see on our own. So as we look at this, the qualifications of a church leader, were, were, there was a warning here. And as uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he says in, in 1 Timothy 3, 6 and 7, that he must not be, speaking of a church leader, he must not be a new convert, or he may become conceited, and that he'd fall under the judgment, the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. He goes on in a, and says the same thing in 2 Timothy. He says in 3.24, And a servant of the Lord must be patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth and that they may, become to their, they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been captive taken captive by him to do his will. The Bible points out clearly that there's a warning here, and the warning is that we should not put people into a church leadership position or any kind of position of power or authority who is new in their faith because the danger is that they will become conceited or boastful, that they will become proud. And when that happens, they fall immediately into the trap or the snare of the devil. See, pride is a trap. It's a snare. And the thing about a snare or a trap is that if it's a good snare and a good trap, you don't see it until after you've stepped into it. And so, you know, you know Satan doesn't throw out these big traps and, and have, you know, like neon flashing signs. Here's a trap. Step in it. And we're going to get you. You know, he doesn't do that. His snares are subtle. They're hidden. They've got leaves and trees and branches and all kind of stuff covering it up. It's like a hole in the ground or a pit that's covered up and you're walking and you think you're doing okay. And the next thing you know, you fall right into it. See, pride is just like that. When you think that you're not having a problem with it is when you're having probably the biggest problem with it or at least you're on the edge of maybe having a problem with it and that's what makes it so dangerous. See, if you've got your Bibles, look at Ezekiel chapter 28 for a second. Ezekiel 28, the whole problem of pride, we need to understand that it's the problem that led to Satan's condemnation. In Ezekiel chapter 28, starting with verse 1, we see this whole problem as it's illustrated in the fall of Satan, and not only in Satan, but in, in kingdoms that have fallen prior to our civilization. It says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, say to the leader of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God. God called Ezekiel to him and he said, Hey, I want you to go to the leader of a city called Tyre, and I want you to warn him of an upcoming judgment. The city of Tyre is in what's known as Lebanon today. It's right off the coast. And it was supposed to be an impenetrable fortress. There was no way that it ever could be defeated. It was surrounded on all sides uh, by water. And therefore, it was, it was kind of like Alcatraz Island. There's no way you can get into it without it being seen that you were coming. And so Alexander the Great, as he began to conquer the world at the age of 33, took special delight in destroying the city of Tyre because they had this cockiness or attitude or conceit about them that they were invincible, that they were impenetrable, and that there was no one on the face of the earth that could ever dominate them. And so God called Ezekiel to him and said, I want you to go to the leader of this particular place and warn him of his upcoming doom and failure because he will be destroyed. And at the age of 33, Alexander the Great, with the help of many slaves, built, basically built a dock that went all the way out to the, out to the island snuck on the island in the evening and destroyed everybody that was in it and turned every stone upside down and took special delight in destroying an enemy who thought they were unconquerable. You know, there's something to that, isn't there? You know, it's like working with the NFL. You know, you got teams that think that they're invincible and there's special delight when you knock off a team like that. 
when you're 40 point underdog and you go into the game and you just go out thinking, you know what? You don't think you can be beaten. Well, watch how much fun we have in doing it. See, that's pride. And what God is warning here in Ezekiel 28, he goes through it in verse uh, 1 through 8. And he says, because your heart is lifted up and you have said, I am a God. And I sit in the seat of gods and in the heart of the seas, speaking of where their location was. Yet you are a man and not God, although you make your heart like the heart of God. You see the problem of pride? You think you're God, but you're not. You're just a man. And I will show you how quickly that truth is. See, many of us think we're our own gods because we just do what we want to do. We don't listen to God. We don't listen to His Word. We don't do as He says to do. We're not obedient to the Word of God. We have all kinds of reasons not to be. And therefore, we, we take on the same characteristic or the same problem or condemnation that Satan did. I'm not going to be like you want me to be. I'm going to be like I want to be. And in fact, I'm going to be just like you. And I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it how I want to do it, and for as long as I want to do it. So help me, not you, God, but me. See, that's pride. That's the condemnation that led to Satan's fall. And it's the same thing that each of us struggle with whenever we say to ourselves, God, I know what you say, and I know what your word says, but you know what? I'm just not going to do it. I'm invincible. What can you do to me? And for whatever reason, we have that arrogance about us. And that's what he warned him of. He said, so you think you're God. Well, I'll show you there's only one God, and that's me. And I'll do whatever I take to convince you of it. See, that's the problem. You know, I think we need to understand, and you can read the rest of this chapter and see that it came to fruition in the, in the conquering uh, of the city by um, Alexander the Great. But I think what we need to understand is that when Paul wrote to Timothy this warning about the potential of arrogance or conceit or that prideful spirit, he was also telling us the same thing. We have the same susceptibility to thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to that affects sound judgment. And God warns us that we need to understand that. And it's important for all of us as believers. From the day that Adam and Eve fell to this current day, we have a sin nature that we struggle with. And embedded in that sin nature is the problem of pride. We need to recognize that that's true of every one of us, whether you think it is or not and particularly those who don't think it is. And as we go through this, we'll look at it. There's nothing, you know, there's probably nothing more sickening, really, when you get down to it, than a person who has been gifted by God to do things for God, and because of pride or arrogance or conceit or self-confidence and all these things that we think are so important to have are destroyed for the work of the Lord because of that. To recognize that everything that we have comes from the hand of God and to give Him honor and glory. To be able to say, hey, you know what, you can clap, and, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate the applause, but it's a gift from God, and I just want to, if I'm going to boast, I'll just boast in Christ. Thanks. And that's not false humility. That's recognizing it for what it really is. So the first thing we need to understand is that it's a problem that led to Satan's condemnation. The second thing that's really important, too, in this whole subject of pride is realizing that it's a practice that the Lord hates. He hates it. If you're a proud person, let me tell you one thing that the Bible is very clear on. He hates that. Look in, uh, in Proverbs 6, 16 and, uh, 16, 16 and 17. It says, there are six things which the Lord hates. Seven that make him sick, that are detestable, that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, that proudful look, that look, you know, that look. Hey, you know what's so funny? Did you ever... We, 
Now, I, and I think I mentioned it, but did you ever, when you're talking to your kids, or maybe when you were younger or, or when you were being disciplined, did you ever have them look at you and you go, don't look at me like that? You ever say that? How many said that? Yeah, yeah see, and then you're the same one that said, not, look at me when I talk to you, right. But you say, don't look at me like that. What are you saying to them? What do you, what do you see? Somebody help me out. Someone, some mom that, see, that have, has seen that look. What is that look? That look of defiance. That look of, if I was in a bigger body, I'd kick your butt. And, and, it's, and it's in this frame that's this big. It's like this big. They look like... And you know. And you know what they're thinking. Because you think the same way. It's hereditary. So you know. That's why you know. And they go, how do you know what I was thinking? Because I was thinking the same thing. If you were bigger, I'd kick your butt. No. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that look. God says, I hate that look. And when we're disobedient to the word of God, basically what we're doing is we're giving them that look like, Yeah, make me. We, we've seen it. We've all seen it. And we've all, we've all given that look. It says God hates that. He still hates it. He doesn't smile. When your kid does that to you, do you smile and say, oh, how cute. I, I've seen parents do that. Oh, isn't that, you know, it's like, especially guys. Guys, we're sick. Men are sick. We're sick human beings. It's like, you know, if our son does that, it's like, after, you know, it's not like right in front of him you don't do it, but you kind of walk away and you smile like, that's my boy. <laughs> you know, you're sick, man. You're a sick man. Because it's like you should never, ever smile or wink at defiance or rebellion. See, it's understanding the difference. That's what discipline's all about, man. If your kid's rebellious and defiant, then the rod, man, will drive it far from him or her. And the rod could take the form of a wooden spoon. We had spoons. It was like our kids wouldn't eat soup for years, man. <laughs> It's like, here, get us a spoon. Oh, no, I didn't do anything. I swear to God. Just need it for the soup, man. Calm down. What's the deal here? You know, but it's like, it's like that, right? You know, and, and uh, you need to do something about it. God hates that. And he should hate that. And he does. He doesn't smile at it. He says he hates haughty eyes. He hates that look. He, and he says that to fear the Lord is to hate evil. God says, I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate evil behavior. I hate perverse speech. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Man, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. If you have that haughty eye, that look, and rebellion toward God, you will be punished. Just as sure as shooting as you punish your kids, God is going to punish you for the same thing. And we need to understand that. We're never too big. We never outgrow the discipline of God. Number three, talking about Pride, and we've already mentioned this. Someone brought up uh, that pride is the perspective of one who will not submit to authority. Who will not submit to authority. A proud person doesn't think that they have to answer to anybody. They know everything. You don't have to tell somebody who's proud what to do because they already know. And if you tell them to do something different, they won't do it anyway. And notice how in Proverbs 10.8 it says, The wise in heart accepts commands. 
A wise person recognizes the authority that God has established on the face of this earth. Romans 13, there isn't any authority that's not established by God. The purpose of authority is to be a ministering agent of peace in our society. God has established authority so that there's not chaos in our world. He's established authority in the church. He's established authority in the home. He's established authority in government. He's established authority in business. God has established authority. It's all from the hand of God for the purpose of keeping our sin nature in check. It's a good thing. Authority is a good thing. Some of us, wouldn't, we wouldn't think that we thought it was good because we don't believe in it. You know, it's like the bumper sticker that came after Watergate. Question authority. And maybe we should question it, but there's also times we should be obedient as well. And what God says is the wise person accepts commands, understands authority, but look at the contrast. A chattering fool comes to ruin. Here's a vivid picture. Have you ever told those same kids that look at you like that something to do and they walk away and they're going... You ever do that? You ever see that? Oh, you, you know, you ever, I mean, we've seen that. You've seen that. Please tell me you've seen that. Our kids aren't the only ones, dude. Right? We've seen that. It's like, and you go like this, what are you mumbling? I don't know. Huh? Nothing. And then it's like they turn around and they walk like, I mean, that's like, you know, our, our little one's the spunkiest one, man. She's like, you know, she's walking, she's like 10 years old, weighs 20 pounds, you know. And she's like, you know, when comes, we got to chain her down. She's on her way. And she's got the, she got so much spunk, you know, it's like you tell her, hey, would you pick that up? Picking that up? I didn't get that out. Right, he got that out. I'm not picking it up. He can pick it up. He got it out. Why don't he get it? If I can pick it up, why don't you tell him to pick it up? You don't tell him to pick it up. I'll pick it up. It's like, man, would you pick it up? And it's like, yeah, I'll pick it up. And then she walks upstairs. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. It's like, man, oh, man. You know? There's a chattering fool, you know? Pick it up! Please pick it up. And what's so funny is, oh, oh, you laugh, right? Some of you do that at work. Your boss tells you to do something, you go like this. And inside you're going, you pick it up, you pick it up, you go, I'm not working on Saturday, I'm not working on Saturday, you pick it up, you pick it up, you pick it up, you pick it up. And that's what's going on inside, but outside you're like real cool, you know? And then you go home and you tell your wife, all the way in the freeway. Those are people, they're not singing songs. They're people driving down the freeway. They're not singing. You think they're singing. They're not singing. They're like mumbling. They were told to do something at work. That's what happens. It's like, man, you know, we don't like to be told what to do. Tough. Let me jump on your toes a little bit here. Who cares? Who cares what you like? Who cares what I like? If you're told to do it, do it. If it's not disobedient to the Word of God, do it. The only time you challenge or question authority is when it's in direct confrontation with the Word of God and the will of God. Other than that, just think and do it. Try it once. It'd be really fascinating to see what happens. Imagine the harmony in a home of people that understood authority, the harmony in a business place, people who understood authority, the harmony in church, the harmony in society. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to live? Well, all we got to do is start listening to God and do what He says to do. It's not that hard. But we got pride. You got my rights, man. Tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? I'm your boss. But I won't be for much longer. <laughs> I'm going to work that out for you. You know, it's like, what's the problem here? Let me just share some things with you. Got a couple minutes. You know, let me get this off my chest. You know, we defend the lack of submission or accountability because they don't deserve it. 
They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it, right? Um, who do they think they are? Tell me what to do. See, and rooted and centered in all that is pride and our, and our rebellious. And sometimes we take pride in this maverick spirit, you know? I like to be, you know, out there doing my own thing. And we take pride in that. And there's some things that, that are observations that I've made, and I just want to share them with you. Number one, I believe that there is a lack of authority or, or a lack of uh, respect for authority in society because there's not proper discipline at home. I believe that. And I believe it becomes evident throughout society that discipline begins in the home, and if you're not doing what God requires you to do, then somebody else has to pick up the ball and run with it, but by then it's usually too late because there's no one, who, there's no one that your children will respect more than their mother or their father. Second thing is I believe that there's a lack of submission because there's a lack of integrity by those who are in authority. And that's caused many of us to question authority. Before Watergate and all the times that went along with that, we had a society of people that were obedient to authority. Then when it all hit the fan and we realized that people in powerful positions aren't always honest, and they have no integrity, they lack ethical or moral values, We've taken it upon ourselves to question authority and not to be obedient to it any longer because obviously there are frail human beings that are in positions of authority, therefore we do not have to be obedient because they may be wrong. And so we need to recognize that and understand that if you're in a position of authority, what a dangerous thing that is that you promote if you lack integrity in how you carry on your assignments and responsibilities. I believe there's also lack of respect for authority because there are no consequences for rebellion in our society. There's no consequences at home. There's no longer any consequences at school. Can't do anything to kids anymore. They'll take you to the school board. You know, what's that all about? Take you to school board on your butt is what we need to be doing, you know? I mean, stop and think about it. You may not like what I'm saying, and I don't really care, but I'm going to step on your toes, and you come up with a better solution because that's what God says needs to be done. There's also a lack of respect for human life. And I think that that's probably the greatest reason that we have no respect for authority in our, in our society. And the reason I share that with you is that, you know, we've got a judicial system that if you go and rob a 7-Eleven, you'll get 20 years to life. But if you kill somebody, you might get 90-day suspended sentence. And after all, what are you going to do if we're going to promote abortion as being an alternative choice to pregnancy? And if we're going to promote euthanasia? And if we're going to encourage suicide doctors to come out of hiding? And if we're going to do all of these things, uh, then it shouldn't surprise us that there's a lack of authority or respect because there's no longer respect for human life. And I think we better all get down on our knees and realize that that's exactly what's happening in our society is going to hell in a handbasket because we don't respect human life. Whatever happened to the day when God created us and he said that we were very good and we were better than anything else that he created. But if you save a whale or a spotted owl or something like that, and you know, God knows we need to protect our environment and he knows that we need to be more responsible and all those things. But when you're a hero for doing that and if you stand outside an abortion clinic and protest and you get thrown in jail. I mean, there's something backwards about our culture and our society that we need to recognize. Somebody needs us to say something about it. And it falls in line with what we're talking about. See, pride. The prideful heart is a perspective of one who will not submit to authority. I was listening to a TV reporter, and this was his analogy of something, and it, just, it was amazing that he, that he thought of this. 
There was another drive-by shooting at a, at a, um, in, a, in a corner in a park in some part of town. And, uh, and, the, and the person that got killed wasn't involved in gangs, didn't know anybody in gangs, wasn't associated with gangs, and it was a needless, tragic, as they call it on the news, a senseless shooting. And the reporter made this observation. He said, whatever happened that a generation of youth has no regard for human life? Whatever happened? Let me tell you what happened. Take a good hard look at you and the people around you because we raised that generation of kids to have no respect for human life. And you know how we did it? In subtle ways. When we say if you kill a carload of people and because you're drunk, you're not responsible because you're drunk. And all you get is a 90-day suspended sentence and who cares about the victims? We teach that in a subtle way to our kids and we tell them that people have no value. Babies, they're not babies, they're tissue. If you got a problem, then eliminate it. And then we teach that, and we encourage that. And then we wonder why we got a society, a generation of kids that have no concept of the value of human life. We've taken all the value off of it. And we've put it on the environment, and whales, and rainforests, and spotted owls. Whatever happened to people? And then we wonder why we feel so indifferent to society. We wonder why we don't anything, want anything to do with one another. We wonder why we come to church and we feel like a number and not a person. Well, what are we wondering about? It's pretty obvious to me. Somehow or another, we need to place human beings back in the proper perspective in the proper order that God has created this universe. And he has created us in his image and his likeness. And there's nothing else in the face of the earth that's like you and I. And that's not being proud. That's just making a statement of fact. We need to understand that that's what's happening. Number four, we also need to realize that, you know, that that pride is also... We've talked about it, and so we won't go into great deal, detail, but it's the persuasion of one who believes he's always right. A proud person is always right. You can't be different. Proud person, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, Proverbs 3, 7. And shun evil. The way of, of, of God seems right. A fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. See, here it is again. A fool does not listen. Um, a proud person does not listen. But hopefully, a person who is wise in the sight of God will listen when God is speaking to him. Well, listen, when God brings people into your life, and we won't be so defensive, and we won't feel like, oh, you know, our toes are being stepped on. Well, they should be stepped on. Because some of us are walking in a way that's not pleasing to God. And we need to have our toes stepped on, because when it hurts, we'll take a look at where we're walking, and we won't bump into the nightstand again. You know what I'm saying? We need to have our toes stepped on. We need to listen to counsel. We need to listen to the Word of God. We need to listen and respect and obey authority. Proud people don't do it, but wise people do. Number five, another one I could go off on for a while, but I won't, is that pride is also the, the prominence that a person believes that he deserves. Let me ask you a question. Now, some of you, you know, you're not going to answer this, but how many of you think that, that you're more important than other people because of what you do for a living? Because of, like the gentleman said, how much money that you have? 
because of the position that you're given or a title or what's on your business card or a parking space that has your name on it. Or maybe because of your race. Or maybe because of the amount of money that you have in the bank. Or maybe because, you know, you were born in the United States and you're not an immigrant. You're just an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, I mean, what, 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 do you, what do you take pride in? See, pride is a prominence that a person feels like they deserve for whatever reason that it is, in their own mind. That you're better or you're more valuable to society because of you fill in the blank. I don't know. See, what God warns is, he says in Proverbs 25, 6 and 7, I like this. He says, don't exalt yourself in the king's presence and don't claim a place among great men because it's better for him to come and say to you, come on up here, than for him to humiliate you before a nobleman. Now stop and think about this. Here's a big party the king's throwing. I want to know what was going through this guy's mind when he walked in the door. I want to know. The warning is, the guy walks in the door and he says, hey, there's an empty seat up on the front next to the king. It must be for me. I want to know what this guy was thinking. Look what it says. So he went up and he sat there. And everybody saw him sit there. Then the king said, what are you doing here? Somebody take this guy and get him out of here. Oh, and they took him and they took him right down the front center through everything and took him way out in the back where his little name tag was on the, the banquet table there. I want to know what this guy was thinking. I'll tell you what he was thinking. Some of us, and this is nice I can put this, believe me. Some of us think that it doesn't stink when we go to the bathroom. Some of us believe that. We really do. Oh, gross, huh? Now think about it. I've met people that are like that. What is the deal here? You know? Man, I'm not going to go any further with that because I know we can get in all kinds of trouble. But I'm just telling you, thank you very much. That's fine. Yeah, you smelly one over there. Open your window. <laughs> but think about it. Some of us think that. Some of us think we're so better than everybody else. And that's all it is is pride. All it is is pride. And I just want to challenge you to think about it. Why is the reason that God hates pride? The reason God hates pride is that, you know what? We're nothing without Him. If I'm white, I'm white because He made me white. If I'm 6'8 and 295 pounds of rock muscle, that's because he made me 6'8 and 295 pounds. Now, I may work out and lift a little bit, but I don't have the potential. I'll never be 6'8. He didn't make me, and I'm not feeling bad about it. That's just the way I am. You know what I'm saying? Some of us think we're better than other people because of things that God is responsible for. You think you're better because you've got a string of degrees. The only reason you've got them is that you had the opportunity to go to college where somebody sitting next to you may not have the resources to do it. Or that you were given an ability to think that the person next to you didn't have. But that doesn't make you any better than them. And you can have a whole string of degrees. And you can sing. And I can't. And I can speak. And maybe you can't. I don't know. But the only thing I'm trying to get across is that you are no better than anybody else because everything that you have comes from the hand of God. And thereby goes the grace of God goes you or I. We're no better than anybody. And only a proud person in the center and the root of their heart thinks they're better than someone else because of something that God has done in their life. And they don't even recognize that it's God who has done it. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do you think you have that God hasn't given to you? 
You got money? You got money because God gave you the ability to make money. You got intelligence? God gave you the intelligence. You got physical appearance? God gave it to you. And if you didn't like it, you went out and bought what you got. Um, you know, but, you know that's, I mean, that's it in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's all there is to it. If you can sing, God gave it to you. And hey, you know what? If we're going to boast in anything, let's boast in Jesus Christ. Let's give God all the glory for everything. And let's, start hold, let's stop pointing fingers at one another as if I'm better than somebody that stands on the long side of freeway with, with a sign saying, please help me, feed me. I'm homeless. Hey, I'm not any better, and by grace of God, I could be standing there next week, and you could be too. God, help us to have more compassion on people around us. See, pride keeps us from doing that, though. It's also pride also is a position of one who scoffs at other and causes arguments. Prideful person are always starting fights. That's all they ever do. They're always causing trouble. And you tell them what to do, they argue with you. Oh, shut up. You know, that's just pride is all it is. And God says, you know what, a proud person, pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Again, he warns us of the danger of not listening to other people. Please listen to other people. Please hear what they say. Even in the midst of criticism and all the rest that goes along with it, there's usually a kernel of truth that God is trying to get across to us. See, I can have someone come to me and be guilty of the same thing that I'm guilty of. They can tell me what I'm guilty of. I can know in my heart I'm guilty of it. They could be guilty of it too, but that doesn't change the truth of it. I'm still responsible before God to do what's right, whether that person that tells me that I'm wrong, even when they're wrong, doesn't do anything about it in their life. You follow me? So even though the preacher isn't practicing what he preaches, what he's saying may be truth from the Word of God, and we need to be obedient whether he is or not. So we need to understand that. Pride causes arguments. And the last thing, and the thing that you can bank on, like the old Beretta show used to say, and you can take this to the bank, is that pride is a peril that leads to one's downfall. If you are a proud person, God's going to take you down. He's going to take you down. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know which way he's going to do it, but he's going to take you down. In Proverbs 16, 18, he says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, you may blame your fall on a number of things, but I wouldn't be surprised, and you shouldn't either, if at the root of all of it was a proud heart. If you're struggling in your life, you've got to take a good hard look at whether you're a proud person. If you've fallen in some area, you better take a good hard look that you're a proud person. Because, see, the proud person says this, I'll never fall in that area. Yeah, well, that's pride that said that to begin with, isn't it? And what does God promise about pride? That it always comes before destruction. It always comes before the fall. I'll never be guilty of that. Hey, man, I am learning that I could be guilty of anything. And if I am not humbly in submission to the Word of God every day and every minute of my life, that I could do some of the dumbest things in the world. And I better be, I better be understanding of that, cognizant of that, and therefore it should change the way I live my life. I should always be on constant guard. Be on guard because your adversary, the devil, is just stalking and roaring like a lion ready to devour whom he can devour. You better be awake and you better be on the alert because every one of us are in a very vulnerable position. But thank God that we've got a God who's greater than our enemy. See, pride always comes before destruction. Nobody throughout human history has ever survived a proudful spirit before God. Nobody. God lifts one up, and he takes one down. I don't care if you're the chairman of a major company, if you're the pastor of a big church, if you are a, an official in a government. I don't care who you are and what you're all about. You need to understand, and we need to be sensitive to this truth, that pride always comes before destruction, and a haughty spirit takes a fall. God help us understand it.
A couple things, quickly. What's the solution to all of it? Very simply this. We're told to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. We're told to be humble in the sight of the Lord. And here's, here's some ways that, that, as we went through this, that I thought of in my own life. Number one, the way that you humble yourself is that you have respect and you're obedient to authority. There's nothing more humbling or, or you know, it doesn't take anything that has more humility than being obedient to somebody who's in charge of your life. Being told what to do and do it. Number two, listen to counsel. Admit when you're wrong and then do the right thing. It's one thing to admit when you're wrong and keep on doing the same stupid things. It's a whole other thing to admit when you're wrong and then start doing the right thing. That's humbling. Number three, treat all people with respect and dignity. No more racial, no more ethnic, no more slurs, no derogatory remarks about any, any person on the face of this earth. Some of it's become part of our lifestyle and it's a habit of speech. But let me tell you something. It's a bad habit and all it is is centered in pride. Stop doing it. Number four, be a peacemaker and not argumentative. And number five, continually submit yourself to the authority of God through his word. And you know what the most amazing thing is? It says that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, then he will lift us up. And uh, Mike wants to close with this song.